Hewler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. What's going on, Steelers Nation Radio? Live from the UPMC Rooney South. UPMC Rooney Sports <laughs> Complex. I'm so excited I can't even get it out. One of them places. Don't worry about it, brother. UPMC Rooney Sports Complex on the south side of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania at Steelers HQ. It's Euler and Motes inside the Electric Factory for the next two hours. And my guy, Arthur Motes, is looking good today. I mean, he's got the brand-new Steelers <laughs> polo. He's doing some Steelers TV stuff. Hey, man, I went to, you know, step it up a little bit or in our radio attire. You come in here with your T-shirts on and shorts. Nah, man, you know, collar shirted up from here on out, man. Yeah, you're strict set, business. Set the standard. You know, you're <laughs> like me. When I first started working in radio, I was like polos and khaki shorts <laughs> all the time. And then don't worry, just give it a couple years and maybe you'll digress into shorts and T-shirts. Only when I have these TV obligations <laughs> afterwards do I have to – Bring out my nicer attire. <laughs> Arthur Motes, yesterday we spent some time and maybe some group therapy for Steelers fans. This is true. We talked about some bad. We talked about some good as well, too. But today is Thursday. Uh-oh. It is time to turn the page. You better believe it. And forget talking about New England and start talking about Seattle and Sunday, 1 o'clock at Heinz Field. So let me ask you this, Arthur Motes. How important, how imperative, how massive – is a W for the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday afternoon. Man, I think it's huge. I think especially after Sunday's performance, it was very underwhelming. We all understand that. I'm sure everybody that's on that team, coaching staff included, feel very disappointed to have a bad taste in their mouth about that. But less about the win aspect. I think it's more important that they play well, regardless of the outcome. Just come out here and execute. The things that we saw from a negative standpoint, from a defensive standpoint, the missed tackles, the mental errors, cut that out. The breakdowns. That's what I want to see regardless of the outcome. None of that on tape because as long as you minimize that stuff, the wins are happen. Those are going to take place. What I want to see from an offensive standpoint, I want to see Juju winning his matchups regardless of who they put up there and especially looking at this Legion of Boom or not Legion of Boom defense anymore. I want to <laughs> see him step up and dominate that matchup. I want to see that offensive line establish dominance, especially in the run game, because that's what they weren't able to do versus the, uh, the Patriots. I want to see Ben executing, timing, beautiful passes, looking in sync. These are all things I want to see far more than wins and losses right now, especially at this junction in the season. Because, let's be real, you can be – you can play very bad, right, and get another win sure. or get this first win and everybody, oh, man, they won. It's all good. We're good. Don't worry about it. But if these same issues are popping up in the second week on the same level as it was in week one, that's going to bite you. You're not going to be able to overcome that. So for me, it's less about the wins and loss right now. It's more so about get on the same page. Make sure you're all doing your job to the best of your abilities. Don't get beat on self-inflicted wounds. If the team is better than you, that's one thing. If they have better personnel, that's one thing. But you cannot go out there and line up wrong. You cannot go out there and blow a coverage. You cannot go out there and drop a pass. You cannot go out there and miss a tackle. Because now it doesn't matter who you're playing against, you're going to lose. I got some numbers for you. Uh Uh-oh, let's do it, baby. Because you know 
You're a numbers guy. There's one thing that's guaranteed. Uh-oh. Besides the fact that I'm usually always wearing a WVU T-shirt. For better or worse. <laughs> no doubt about yeah. that one. It's going to be worse for the next couple of weeks here. <laughs> uh, I've always, uh, you know, I stay up real late. I got notes. I do research. The uh, hardest working man in radio I got opinions biz. on everything. And the humblest, too. Oh, right? well, humblest guy I know. So I have got um, a glass half full and a glass half empty right. for you about this Sunday and the potential results. Okay. All right. So which one do you want first? Uh, I'm optimistic. So let's, let's go glass half empty. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So here's your glass half empty. I did some research. All right. Since 2007, right? So 12 years. Yes. Well, I guess 11 NFL seasons. Right, right. So 11 of the, pa- 11 of the, past, the past 11 seasons. Is that a fair enough sample a, yeah. size for you? Absolutely. That's good. Of the teams to start 0-2, less than 11% make the playoffs. So you're telling me there's a chance. So you're telling me there's a chance. Now, <laughs> and I, I say I go back to 2007. In 2007, the New York Giants started out 0-2. They and won the Super Bowl right. against the 18-0 and New England Patriots. Uh-oh. So, again, you're telling okay. me there's a chance. All right. But that's my glass half empty for you. Okay. It does, is, it's not terrible. It's not te- – but, but, again – It's pretty bad, but since, it's not terrible. <laughs> since 2007, of the teams that have started 0-2, only 10.9% of them make the playoffs. So you rounded up to 11. I said less than 11, oh. so t- but 10.9%. It's closer to 11 than it is to 10. You're right. You're right. Oh, so that's the, so bad. That's the bad news about starting 0-2, but yes. now here's the, here's the optimistic side for it. All right, right, let's hear it, man. Last year, 12 teams make the playoffs in the NFL every year, right? Yes. Six in the NFC, six in the AFC. Of the 12 teams that made the playoffs last year, seven of them lost week one and started out 0-1. Boom. So more than half. We're good. We're in the same position that the Steelers are in right now. We're good. So... I, I'm thinking, and I agree with you, it's more important to me how they play. Yes. If they come out against Seattle, what if we see a game like we saw between the Texans and the Saints on Monday night? Right. And they just happen to lose on the – whoever has the ball. About, right. I, I, I can be, live with that. I'll be stepping back from the Clemente Bridge. Yes. I, I can live with that as and, well, And I too. can assure you from a fan base, they will be a lot – they will be feeling a lot better if they lose that way than how they did on Sunday night because it just – they looked out coached. They looked out executed. They looked out uh, out everything. Yeah. They, they, it was no bright spots in that game from a whole standpoint, and that was the problem. Whereas, like you said, you go out here, man, play your game, look good, do what you're supposed to do. If the chips don't fall on your side, so be it. But at least you know you're going to win a lot more games playing like that than you will playing like you did on Sunday night. You know I tend to be hyperbolic from time to time. You got a little bit of that in you. So here's why I think, and I, I'm with you. The the I, I want to see the way that they play more than anything. But I think getting out of that stadium with a W is very important. And here's why: the Baltimore Ravens are one and zero. They play the Arizona Cardinals this weekend. Okay, not an easy matchup for them though. And not an easy matchup for them. Right. But I they're favored in that game. Mm-hmm. I, I think that the Ravens are probably going to be two and zero by the time Sunday evening rolls around. Okay, the Browns who are mm-hmm. 0-1, same boat as the Steelers. Yes. They're playing the Jets on Monday Night Football. Okay. Now, all of a sudden, Sam Darnold has mono. Yeah. Lev Bell's getting an MRI. It's a little rough. Quinnen Williams is getting an MRI. A little rough. If the Browns win, and they're at 1-1, and and the Ravens are at 2-0, uh-huh. you, again, it's early in the season. It's super early, man. But you don't want to be two games behind the Ravens and a game behind the Browns two weeks into the season. All I'm saying is I've been a part of teams where we've been two games behind. We've been one game behind, and we still turn around and win the division. It's week two. 
that's how I look at it, man. That's what I always chop it up as. It's a long season. How many times have we seen teams start out fast? I was a part of a Bills team that I talk about all the time. Yeah. Started out with 3-0, and beat New England on top of the world. Dropped the next four. Did not matter. Then we split the last couple of them as well. So when I think about all these things, man, it's more so you have to be playing good football. Good football is going to breed the results you want. If you're playing bad football but you're skimming by, I've been a part of teams like that as well. And it's like, hey, man, we're getting out of the stadium. We won. We gave up 30, but we won. (laughs) And then it comes back and gets you because you haven't been correcting these issues. You've been basically sweeping them under the rug because, hey, guys, we won. Victory Monday. We don't got to talk about this. Don't worry about it. And then they come back and get you. So that's why it's important and it's, it's critical that they fix these issues now while they have time. Because once it gets to, what, week five, six, seven, eight, once it gets to that junction of the season and on, you don't have time to be having the same issues because teams are only going to get better from here. It's important that you don't blind the miscues with just, oh, we got the W and leave it at that. I'm sure if you're talking to that Seahawks defense, yeah, they won. But you think they don't have holes? You don't think that they have a, a ton of issues on that back end in particular? Come on, man. The win makes you... I'll, I'll, like I said, the win makes you just mask it a little bit because you're like, oh, we won. Don't sure. worry about it. Just like a loss can do the same thing in the other. It can make right. things seem a little bit worse than Absolutely. they actually are. Absolutely. But sometimes when you get that loss, it makes you actually have to face it. It makes you have to address it. Whereas if you won, hey, oh, we're cool. Oh, we're all right. We got the dub, right? Yeah. I know I was dropping coverage. I know we missed tackles. Hey, we won, though. I know I'm the Seahawks offensive line. I know Russell Wilson was under, a, under attack. He got hit a ton. He was chased. But, hey, we won. Don't worry about it. Nah, that ain't, that's not the mindset, baby. You got to fix these issues now. Bill, I want to see if you agree with this or if maybe it's a little too much. Bill, mm-hmm. Bill Cowher took to Twitter this morning Ooh, and was okay. talking about some of these same things, like, like the overreaction that we have right. after the first week of the NFL season. Absolutely. And he said that you shouldn't judge your team. You shouldn't really lay down a verdict. I forget what his exact words were, but you mm-hmm. get what I'm saying. Until your team is in week four, until you see their week four performance. You yeah. agree with that, or is that a little too much of a leeway? No, I agree 100%. We talked about this, remember, before the season started, in terms of teams start slow. The preseason format, the offseason format, the amount of time they're able to practice and things like that affect the start. We also know that teams, even though they have their install and they're ready to go now, all the players are in, they will continue to grow and get better. They're going to start to form an identity. Teams are going, players are going to start to carve out divisions of labor, as Coach Tomlin says it. So you might start out as a gadget guy, but by week four, you're the bona fide number two receiver. You might start out as a rotational linebacker, but now you're the starting linebacker or you're the legit edge rusher that we want. These are all the things that transpire over those first couple of weeks. So that's why it's always different. Like as a player or even the coaches – We understand that, and we understand the essence of it's 16 games. You have time. Things are never going to be as is in that first month, whereas I think fans, just because, like I talk about with the investment that they have from an emotional standpoint, a lot of times it's it's knee-jerk. If the, if the Steelers win this weekend, come on, man, they're world beaters. Super Bowl. We're back on top. Super Bowl. If they lose, oh, God, the season's over. We're tanking. Trade Ben. Right. And, and that's that's just how people react outside of the football world. Whereas the players, they understand, yes, you want to win without a doubt, but they understand you have to play good football. And they also understand that, hey, what we look like today, what we look like on Sunday versus the Seahawks, is still going to be different two weeks from now. Two months from now. Absolutely. 
And that's the things that, like I said, in the football world, you understand it. So that's why it's, you always put the blinders on. It's just, hey, focus on getting better. Everything will take care of itself. How imperative is a win on Sunday at Heinz Field against those Seattle Seahawks? Let us know on Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at TheBody52. The body. And coming back here, we're going to be joined by our guy, Brian Backo, the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. We will ask him just that as well as he's got some injury updates for us. Ooh. Backo of the PG on with us next. It's Euler Remotes. It's the Electric Factory. It's Steelers Blitz. And as always, it's on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Putting in work on a Thursday, that can only mean one thing. It's time to be joined by, I was going to say our favorite guest, but he's really our only guest. Yeah, you're right, man. Because we don't just, we don't just hand out invites to Not everybody around the electric factory here. He, he, and he is VIP seating, too. He does. He gets a big, nice leather yeah, chair. Man. Joining us on Thursdays, as he always does, from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, Brian Batko. What is happening, Batman? Oh, after that intro, you guys need to get some new friends. Or at least <laughs> some more friends, you know. If I'm number one by default, I don't know what that really says about me. Well, but. see, you you are our first friend, and we said it's yeah. never going to get any ground better. Ground floor. I was in on the it's, ground floor. It's never going to get any better man. than this. So and, why? And, and it's less about who your competition is. Just know that you're number one. That's I'll, all that matters. I'll take it's it. really like being the number one punter or the number one long snapper. Absolutely. You know, there's no other option. Hey, but That like says a lot doing. about you, though. We haven't had to go outsource and find a replacement That's or right. competition, so you're good. And I think so. It's more so, too. I don't want to ask anybody to follow up this guy because, you're I mean, right. you were just setting off to fail. He's legendary. What a tough act to follow. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, uh, first question I asked Motsi here as we kind of open up the show what we were talking about to start there. How important is a win on Sunday versus how the Steelers actually play. Uh, teams since 2007 that start the year 0-2, less than 11% have made the playoffs. Last year, 7 out of the 12 teams that made the playoffs lost week one. So you can kind of look at it, glass half full, glass half empty. How important is the W, you know, juxtaposed with how they actually play in those 60 minutes? I'm not going to call it a must win just yet, Wes. I mean, I, I know some people were throwing around that term. To me, it's just a little too early, especially with a team that I still think has as much talent as these Steelers do. And, and yes, you never want to start off in an 0-2 hole, but at the same time, you don't have some tomato can coming to Heinz Field this weekend. Russell Wilson and the Seahawks are legit. I mean, there's still questions with them as well, especially on the back end of the defense. But I, I'm not going to go ahead and say that uh, we should all head for the bridges if the Steelers don't win on Sunday. <laughs> I think I'm with you that you, you obviously want to see any number of things improve i mean how much time do you have but i don't think it's it's must win territory just yet in september what that game will be september 15th so i'm not going to go there you say things you want to see improve what is chief most in your mind in that regard things that you want okay so regardless of what the score is or how you know the result plays out what do you where do you want to see the steelers particularly get better Generally speaking, I think it's the offense. More specifically speaking, I think it's the run game. I just They never were able to establish that in Foxborough, and we know that Ben Roethlisberger can still sling it. He's right. hardly cooked, despite how bad he looked that time Sunday night. And, I, you know, I'm not so worried about the receiving core. I mean, Dante Moncrief was bad, but I'm willing to give him more than one game with the Steelers before Absolutely. I write him off. and. I don't even necessarily think you need a, a quote-unquote number two receiver to emerge. We've seen a lot of teams across the NFL do it with a, a supporting cast behind that right. clear number one. 
So all those worries, they're there, but they're in the back of my mind. To me, it's just getting that running game up and going because whether you're playing the Patriots, whether you're playing the Seahawks, whether you're playing the Bengals, you, you can't be two-dimensional on offense if you aren't coming out smacking them in the mouth with James Conner and, and perhaps at times Jalen Samuels. And for this offense, that means the O-line getting more push up front. Absolutely. Um, I could agree with you on that. I will say this. I know after watching the Seahawks play defensively, they challenged Andy Dalton to beat him throwing, to beat them throwing. They stacked the box, walked the outside linebackers down. So when I'm thinking about what you're talking about in terms of giving Moncrief, you know, another opportunity and things like that, do you think they would switch to James Washington sooner than later if Moncrief has another performance like he did last week? It's tough to say, Moats. I mean, if he comes out, drops the first one or two targets thrown his way, I don't know. He might hear some boos. And I feel. <laughs> Definitely I mean, might hear some boos, He man. played with Andrew Luck, and he might get the Luck treatment if oh, that happens man. Monday <laughs> afternoon. But, I see uh, what you did there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I think we all know that James Washington's probably the higher upside guy. Right. It's just a matter of him being ready in year two. To me, there's there's really – no logical candidate to be the the second leading wide receiver on this team at the end of 2019 beyond Dante Moncrief and James Washington. I think James Washington's snaps do need to go up. I agree. Does it come at the expense of Moncrief? Does it come at the expense of Ryan Switzer or both? That remains to be seen, but I don't even know that they would go away from Moncrief drastically in week two, just because it is so early, even if he's showing a propensity to not get open and, and not make catches when they come his way. Right. You mentioned Ryan Switzer there. What did you make of, of his usage and a lot of the snap counts that he got compared to other guys on Sunday? I think I threw him out as a sleeper on this show last week. If You know, if you needed a dart throw in right. a deep PPR league, and if he would have just broken a tackle or two, fine. he could have produced a little bit more. Ooh. I mean, I, I don't think he's near the top of the list of adjustments that you need to make for this offense. I, I can see the role that Randy Feetner and Ben Roethlisberger want him to carve out it makes sense to me in, in today's mm. NFL football where you're so horizontal and it's basketball on grass and all that stuff. And it, he helps you in that regard. He makes catches. He's a tough dude. But like I said, he's, he's got to be able to make a couple guys miss here and there to really provide much value to this offense. I, so I don't know that I'd want to see him get the exact same snap share, maybe get a little more of, of James Washington and, and Deontay Johnson, not just to get their feet wet, but also to see just how much they can help you this Very season. Very true. Now, transitioning to the defensive side of the ball, a lot was made about Devin Bush not having the microphone in his helmet. T.J. Watt had it last week. I'm assuming there hasn't been any new reports in terms of that switching. So what do you make of that? Straight from the locker room this morning, though. Uh-oh, what we have? T.J. Watt was talking about this, and someone asked, I guess we're making too big of a deal of this thing. And okay. he said, yes, everyone is. He said, it's just a sticker on your helmet. <laughs> it's not a big deal. It's Sean Milwaukee. Davis wore it for a game last year. Sean Davis said yesterday he mm-hmm. has not ever worn it. Oh, really? That's what he said. Wow. So that's, well, that's not gotten, what Coach T told us on something Tuesday. Something might have gotten Whoa. lost in translation <laughs> there. All right, all right. And as far as I can tell, there's also no, um, no obvious answer to who wore the helmet when T.J. Watt was not in the game. I guess well, you don't necessarily need one. So I was to say from a, lo- a logistics standpoint – you only are allowed to have one player have his helmet that has the dot. So you can't switch it mid-game? Not at all. The other guy, the, uh, you have two backup helmets, but they're locked away on the sideline. The only way so you that can, guy gets hurt or if something? that guy gets hurt and he's ruled out for the game, that's the only time you can switch it. 
you can't have two guys out there. You can't have one guy on the sideline with it on with the microphone as well. It has to be locked away in some, like, chest. It's crazy. But at some point, Watt was rolled out, I guess, right? Well, I don't know if they Well, they never said yeah. that. Yeah. But he, he obviously left and, right. then, and didn't end up coming back in. But Side the, note, sounds like he's ready to go Sunday. That's definitely good full, to hear. Full, he's gonna, he says he anticipates full practice participation today, correct? I don't know that he said full, but he ex- said he expects to be out there again after okay. being limited yesterday. So that's a, that's a silver lining for Absolutely. sure. Uh, the helmet speaker thing, I mean, yeah, I don't think it's a huge deal. I mean, right. maybe to, to, to the question or the point you brought up, Wes, a little bit of miscommunication there in terms right. of who's had it and, and who doesn't and – who would, but I think ultimately the goal is, is to get that in Devin Bush's ear. If you were watching the game at home Sunday night, you heard Al Michaels say that Devin Bush told them in the preseason he didn't really like wearing it, sounded like a big bullhorn in his ear because he didn't have it in college at <laughs> yeah. Michigan. I asked him about that yesterday. He said, I, no, I, I don't know what they said, but I never said that. It's it's fine. Well, it is funny, though, that you say the bullhorn thing because uh, here we have, well, they have Keith Butler. As the DC, and he usually is the guy on the mic. And anyone who's heard Keith Butler talk, he has a little seven draw. And, and sometimes when he gets excited on game days, you're like, "What did you say? <laughs> Can you translate that?" Like, huh? Say that again? Yeah. You, you see the guy on the field like what? Again, again? So in English this time, yeah. please. <laughs> yeah. I-, I wanted to ask you about a couple other guys who are. Appearing on the injury list, if you will. Uh, sticking with the defense, Sean Davis. Uh, he's been limited so far this week, I believe, correct? Any correct. updates on him from what we could see today or any kind of tipping of the hat if he's going to be a go on Sunday? I got to think he, you'll see him ramp it up throughout the week. I mean, yesterday yeah. when he did get back into it, he confirmed yesterday that he was basically second team slash scout team yeah. reps, not because – He's all of a sudden a backup to Camp Kelly, wow. but just to, to get him back into the swing of things. And mm-hmm. I think by the end of the week, whether it's today or tomorrow or both, you'll see him working with the starters once again. And, and he was actually, you know, he was listed as limited, but he was in full pads yesterday okay. from what I could tell. So I got to think his ankle is, is healing up nicely. Yeah. And that aligns with what he told me on Monday that he looked forward to getting back to practice and that he was progressing, getting better every day. And, and put it this way, felt feels a lot better now uh, this time than he did a week ago. That's definitely good. And I will say, in terms of, like you said, I'm getting the scout team reps, it actually benefits him because now he's going to actually be seeing starter caliber players versus if he's out there with the one defense. True. He's going against the scout team. So the athletes aren't the same from a scheme standpoint. It's going to be geared for you to be successful when you're on the defense versus the scout team offense. So for him, that definitely helps him out. We just talked a little about communication there. How could having Sean Davis back on the back end and instead of a, a rookie and Cam Kelly help improve things in that regard? Well, it's going to need to help because obviously it just wasn't there Sunday right. night against Tom Brady and the boys, whether that was a combination of a bunch of guys who just weren't on the same page. Cam Kelly was really the, the only young guy in that mix who's also new Steven Nelson knew as well and right. I think he he blitzed on a play early the Josh Gordon touchdown and I'm not really sure what he was seeing or or what he was hearing on that one maybe it's it's by virtue of just being new to this defense and not having not being completely up to speed when you're in the heat of the game like that so I think one thing that's a positive is Russell Wilson for as good as he is He's not Tom Brady at the line making checks. He's going to hold on to that football Absolutely. a little bit longer. And not only that, but he's he's just not uh, the same level of 
<laughs> 42 years old yeah. doing this for forever Cerebral in a day who knows exactly mind. yes right. where everyone is and especially against the Steelers not really a, a team or a defense that Russell Wilson it's has true. a ton of experience facing so I mean obviously you can watch film you can grind up the tape and all that but uh, there's something to be said for doing it in a real game and that's what Tom Brady has done many a times against this defense, and that's what he absolutely showed yeah. once again on Sunday. Brian Backo of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette joining us here inside the Electric Factory. All right, two more guys. I got your tweet pulled up here, all right? So okay. I, I'm, Uh-oh. I'm, Uh-oh. I'm, I'm thorough here. Uh, this was from yesterday, though, though to, to be fair. Two, horse's two, mouth. Here two, we go. Uh, two more guys that <laughs> did not practice yesterday, Hayden and Pouncey. Uh, any updates on them that you heard today in the locker room? Anything um, to expect a change in their status today? I don't think so. I think Pouncey's been getting a lot of treatment and, and obviously trying to get back on Sunday as, as much as he possibly can. Joe Hayden said yesterday after practice, in, in which he obviously didn't practice, that he didn't say he's feeling good. He said he's feeling better, but he really doesn't have a sense yet for Sunday. So those are the two biggest guys to watch the rest of this week in terms of whether they get back there or don't. Obviously, Rosie Nix is another one, but we know right. from what Mike Tomlin said Tuesday, he's going to miss this week and probably at least one or two more yeah. games. So the big injuries, yeah, are, are Joe Hayden and Marquise Pouncey, two starters at very crucial positions. Right. And, you know, at least with Pouncey, you know, if he can't go, B.J. Finney, for all of the NFL memes that are unfortunately <laughs> following him since Sunday, he's a very capable guy, has played the position, has, has done it, he's – reliable, steady, solid, all that. If Joe Hayden can't go, all of a sudden you're you're right back to Artie Burns probably as your second outside corner, and you know that could get dicey. We'll see what happens. Yeah, because I think people are a lot more comfortable if it's Joe Hayden and Artie Burns versus Steven Nelson and Artie Burns right now. Hmm. So it's going to be an opportunity for those guys, though, to step up and to produce. But with uh, just touching back on Pouncey and Hayden's injuries, we talked about this a little last week with Sean Davis, how he didn't practice Wednesday, he didn't practice Thursday. And we said, well, hey, is he a guy that if he doesn't practice Thursday, you could still see him on Sunday? And we felt that he wasn't. We felt he's still young at that position. The one thing with Pouncey and Hayden, those guys could be Friday practicing guys or potentially not even practice on Friday and still show up in the game and be fine just because of the body of work that they've accumulated here in Pittsburgh. Yeah, that's a good point, especially Pouncey with, yeah, with the position that he plays. He knows his body. Yeah. By now, Joe Hayden, there, there's a lot more moving parts when you're playing yes. corner, thinking of, of what kind of plays you're going to have to make with that shoulder issue. And, and, and tackling, like especially that. where it's a running back like Chris yeah, Carson coming in. He said he didn't hurt it uh, on a tackle, but, uh, you know, it was, I think he said there was like seven or nine minutes to go in that game when it mm. started bothering him. So it's it's worth watching for sure. And, and there were a couple other guys who didn't practice uh, yesterday, but more just rest feeling a little under the weather but okay. if you're looking into the, the new york jets situation right now hopefully Whew. no one's got mono on man. this game am Whew. i right guys I was to say like how long is the rehab for mono man i hope the last person who Couple wore this headset doesn't have mono yeah, or else man. i might be out for a while if, right. they, if they do it's craig wolfley so you could track them down <laughs> oh, <man>. all right <laughs> yeah mono Jeez. is i never I had mean, mono i, I, I haven't either knock I, on wood, I, I, did, I didn't either knock on wood i had some buddies who had it when we were growing up as right. i'm sure you guys probably did and I guess it could be different when you're a kid as opposed to when you're an adult. Your immune system and your body's much different. Yeah. But I remember, like, when you were a kid and you had mono, you were out of school for a month. Yeah, you were, you were cooked not only oh, because of bro. yourself, but it's I guess it's highly contagious, right? Yeah. So right. that's what Can't Sam Darnold anything, is, no kissing. is going through yeah. right now with the Jets. I wonder if it was Demarius Thomas and that was sabotaged by the Patriots. They <sighs> sent him to the Jets to go give somebody mono. Wes, that's, that's, that's exactly the what Bill Belichick would do. You know he's the grand schemer <laughs> Chemical warfare. Thing, man. <laughs> 
Send him with Mono. Uh, we've been kind of <laughs> bouncing around over the offense and defense. One, I, I did want to ask you about James Conner. Um, in retrospect, when you see how the Patriots stacked the box, it's a little easy to understand why the Steelers didn't have the success in the run game that some of us thought they would have. I, I still think that it is possible that they maybe abandoned that ship a little too early. Uh, we know that James Conner wants to be a focal point of this offense this season. We know the Steelers can't. Steelers know, Steelers think he can be a focal point of the offense this season. They wouldn't have had him be the, the guy in their season hype video if they didn't think he was going to be a huge part of the team this year. Do we see a big shift in that this weekend? Are the Seahawks um, – a defense that could be ripe for the taking when it comes to a big day on the ground for James well, like, Conner. Like Moats said, they wanted to let Andy Dalton sort of beat him through the air, and, and he did. I mean, that was a, a close game, a one-point win one for Seattle. Game, and, I, yeah. and I think the Red Rifle threw for his career-high passing yardage in that game. So you know, he took what they gave them, obviously, and I still don't necessarily think that this team's strength is in their secondary with Seattle. Uh, coming ooh, in so not at all. I don't know about that game plan from them, and I got to wonder if if maybe they're going to switch that up a little bit and say, try to run on us with our right. front seven. I, I mean, obviously, Jadavian Clowney is his bread and butter is being a pass rusher. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's a lot of other guys on that defense that are you know have proven that they're adept at stopping the run. So uh, it, it'll be curious to see. I don't think James Conner played poorly by any stretch Sunday right. night. He simply had. Nowhere to go, no room to run. Shameless plug, our Ray Fittipaldo is going to be writing about the inability to get the running game off track Ooh. for this offense, mm, not just okay, in a okay. small sample size of one game in 2019, but going back to the end of last season. So it, it really is a concern. It's it's something that this offensive line is clearly built more to protect number seven Correct. Than, than to be a bunch of road graders yeah, there. You, and you talked about As yesterday. they should be because he's your – He's your, He's franchise, your franchise, so. Right. Um, but yeah. you saw the hits he took in his the first half of his career. <laughs> right, Man. right. He could become the most sacked quarterback of all time this season. Yes, I'm sure the Steelers don't want that to happen. <laughs> not a good statistic. Not yeah. one. Not. I'll, a I'll place. tell you what. You look at he's three right now. You look at the two names above him: Brett Favre and John Elway. It's pretty yeah. good company. Yeah, uh, but uh, <laughs> hey, go go tell that to Dave DeCastro right. why don't you <laughs> West during the break or or yeah, see, Just see how that goes over. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, it's it's hard to imagine them running for fewer yards than they did right. up in Foxborough, but uh, I guess we'll see. It, it still hasn't been a strength of theirs recently. You, you yeah. said it, though. Uh, the Seahawks only gave up 34 yards rushing to the Bengals last week, 418 yards passing, 51 pass attempts. Yeah, and when you Andy look Dalton. at that defense, the way they play, they stayed in their base 4-3 the whole time. You see Michael Kendricks walking out or – to, like I said, influence them to pass the ball, they would walk their outside linebackers down to the edge of the line of scrimmage, almost looking like a 6-1 defense, something that you would see on a video game, and just daring Dalton to throw. And they should have had even more passing yards. John Ross dropped a ton. He could have easily done a lot more damage and probably would have. He still did have a huge game. He did, absolutely. So that's the thing that I'm just curious to see. Do they respect the Steelers receivers or not? Because if they don't respect them, we'll see right away. If they come out – in this 4-3 look and walking their linebackers down like how they did versus, uh, versus Cincinnati, mm-hmm. you know right away they're saying, I don't believe in you, Juju. I don't believe in you, Vance. I don't believe in you, Moncrief. I don't believe in you, James Washington. Also, another issue that we got to note before I get out of here, not as much 12 personnel usage as the Steelers mm-hmm. have had in the you're past right. with Jesse mm-hmm. James and Vance. That's yeah. a great way to run the ball. And when your second guy is Xavier Grimble and you're obviously not Absolutely. as confident in him, it's there goes point. a big piece of the playbook. It's yeah. a great point by our guy, Brian Backo. That's why we like him so much. The best in the business. Before you get out of here, whoa, you know. Whoa, whoa, That's a bit much. We, we gotta, hey, man, I'm gassy. You know me. <laughs> we got <laughs> to put you on the spot a little bit here and make you pull out your crystal ball. 
what happens on Sunday? I'm going to go with a Seahawks win. I Woo! think it's going to be a much closer than Sunday, but I'm still picking Seattle. I, I like what they're doing with that little bit of revamped defense, and Russell Wilson is no slouch. That's my analysis here. Brian Backo of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. You can find him on our show every but, Thursday. But you make sure you put his at up there so they know where to send the negativity to. You can find his work <laughs> in the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. And on Twitter, you can find his work, and you can chirp him about his predictions. At Brian Backo. thanks for joining us as always, buddy. Thank you, guys. When we come back, we got some, uh, some Ben Roethlisberger audio from yesterday, Arthur Motes, that I think is only fair that we dissect and get into a lot on the wide receivers and the offensive game plan. Got to give the people what they want. We will hear uh, We will hear and discuss a little about number seven when we return inside the Electric Factory. It's Euler Motes on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Thursday is a big day around the Steelers complex, Arthur Motes. It's the biggest practice day of the week, as you and I have talked about before. It's a day when a lot of guys speak. And we did last year, we did Ben's Day Wednesday, you know, but sometimes the turnaround there can be a little rough. You know, sometimes uh, some of that audio wouldn't come out until later. So we moved our annual um, our annual homage to number seven, our annual quarterback discussion. And it is, too. He gets into some really good stuff here. Um, this is Ben Roethlisberger talking yesterday. He addresses Moncrief and some of the lack of action for Juju and the run game and some of the breakdowns that we saw. A whole bunch of good stuff here when the quarterback spoke yesterday. Let's hear what Ben Roethlisberger had to say. Still the same enthusiasm yes. and excitement. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's one game. We played maybe the best team in football at their place. Um, still got a game this week, and we're excited for it. How much did you learn about how far you have to go to become the best team in football? Well, they've been the best team in football for a while now, and uh, I think everyone's kind of trying to chase them. So, um, you know, uh, we weren't good enough, and we got to get better. Where, where, do, where do you have to get better is what I mean. Uh, I'm only going to focus on the quarterback play because that's what I control. So the quarterback's got to get better. When you watch the film, what do you think went wrong Sunday? Uh, uh, quite a few things. Um, we just we didn't execute well enough. I didn't make enough plays, enough throws, and they, they outscored us. Ben, over the past... Uh, over many years, you've seen some games, the Baltimore opener, the Philadelphia game, this game, where you bounce back though well. Mm -hmm. how, how, how are you guys able to do it? Well, you know that you've, uh, I told the guys on Monday when we came in here, um, you know, we we're out doing our, our run and stuff, and I say, hey guys, look up. So the sun's still shining, the sky's still blue. And the best thing is, we still get to play on Sunday. I mean, it's, it's, it's week one. We started a few years ago, we started 0 4, I believe. Um, so, um, it's a long season, half the teams. Off the first game. Have you gauged the excitement level? Have, have you? Were you looking to gauge it? I mean, were you worried? Uh, the excitement. The team. From from before the game or after the no, game? No, right now. I mean, they're not knocked out. No, not at all. I, I wouldn't expect that. If, if if we had guys that were down and out and you know calling it quits, we'd have we'd have a lot bigger issues. But guys realize what what week one was, and now we're going into week two. Ben, they say you learn more from a loss than a win sometimes. How much does playing the Patriots, losing the way that you did, kind of help expose some of the things that you needed to work on that you might not have realized going into the game? Well, I think we're, we're always trying to improve. You know, we're always trying to get better in all, all areas of the game and each individual in all areas of their play. Um, and that starts with me, and, and I'm going to do my best to get ready to go next week, this week, excuse me. And the, the starters 
don't play a lot during the preseason. Last couple of years, how much improvement have you seen from week one to week two just because you guys got that in-game experience that you haven't had since last season? Uh, you know, I don't, I don't remember exactly. I mean, you, you're always, um, you know, hopefully getting better as the season goes because you're getting more games in. You're getting uh, a better understanding of each other, whether it's new guys, young guys. So um, typically you're always improving as the season goes. Um, does the preseason have anything to do with it? There are a lot of teams that didn't play anybody in the preseason and they won games Sunday. So I don't know what that has to do with it, but for us, I think we'll just continue to, to get better. Are small steps needed, or are we talking major improvement? No, it's just no. It's 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 not like all of a sudden we have to go back to the drawing board and start, you know, doing this. Just you know, scratching everything, crossing everything out. Where do we go from here? It's just um, we we all need to starting with myself play play better. And it's not it's nothing drastic on anybody's um, plate. It's just little things here, little things there. I uh, was just up with Coach Randy, and we were talking about play calling things. That's him and me together uh, communicating. Uh, just, so it's it's little things here and there. That's all. When you look at the third and fourth and shorts that you had that you guys didn't convert, how, what went wrong in those, and how much would that have changed the game had you had you made those? Well, Coach Randy said, you know, the, the, I think the first one was the third and short that we tried to run it and didn't get it. And I think um, I'm sure you guys will talk to Coach tomorrow when you speak to him. Um, you know, he kind of told us that, that that frustrated him and maybe shied him away a little bit from doing it um, the next couple times. But um, you know what? When it comes down to it, we need to execute, and whether it's Third and long or third and short, we, we just all need to be better. And you don't see Seattle a lot, but there's been a lot of turnover. Just what, with the late Clowney ad, would, would it be noticed about that defense? Well, I mean, he's one of the, the best rushers and defensive guys in the league, so that, that adds a lot to a defense that already is pretty good. I know they, they lost you know kind of some of their named guys, if you will, but they still have a lot of really good football players, um, even one that used to be here uh, now. So. Um, you know, we, we know that, that they're going to be a, a heck of a challenge. Um, and so we're, we're excited for that challenge, especially after last week. And what were some of the positives you saw from your receiving court Sunday night? Uh, I thought one of the biggest things I saw was just the, the willingness um, to block, the willingness to get back. We sent guys deep a lot, and they were running back to the line of scrimmage ready to go. And so um, they, they didn't shy away from, from that, and, and I'm just really proud of that and the plays that they did make because Defenders were all over them a lot, you know. There, there were some tight windows and stuff, and so I just was was really proud of the way that we, we all communicated together on the sideline as well. The bomb to Holton was that just a changeup for you, or do you know something about Holton? And was there interference on that? Um, you know, we, we put that play in um, to to send him deep, hoping that they wouldn't be suspecting that. Um, and I I let it fly, and obviously I didn't let it go far enough because I think if I had thrown it a little further, he could could have run under it and. Know, we could have had a big play there on that first drive. No interference? If I would have thrown it further, it wouldn't have even been an issue. <laughs> Were you expecting the level of double team that you got against Juju? And are you expecting that from mm -hmm. pretty much everybody? We're expecting it. Um, so we tried to move him around, and we did some of that. And he was still able to get open on some things. And um, as for other teams, we're not really sure what to expect yet, but we'll, we'll kind of prepare for that. What do the rest of the receivers need to do to counter that when Juju does get doubled? Uh, just keep doing what they're doing, make plays, step up, be in the right spots. And if I deliver the ball where it needs to be delivered, I think um, we can make more plays. We haven't seen much of Moncrief, but you, you seem to like him a lot. Mm -hmm. but, uh, why? Still do. Still do. There's nothing's changed in that. I think he's a, you know, he's a smart receiver. He's a guy that's going to give you everything he's got. He's a, a veteran guy who's been around. He can run. He can run different routes, not just kind of a deep ball guy. Um, 
and and I really just like the personality that he has. You know, he's uh, he's a guy that is easy to talk to, and will communicate back with you. So um, I, I'm excited for for him this week. Um, I think we'll see some really big things. Yeah, two more rust. for Ben. Do you think there was rust, or is his hand still on him? Do you know? You know, I, I don't. You have that. You have to ask him. But I'm not discouraged at all. I, I told him, and um, I think you still, if you saw the game, you saw it. I'm, I'm not going to shy away from throwing it to him. Ben, in, ben, uh, ben, in those situations like, yeah, like that where you know he struggles the first game, are you more inclined to go back to somebody like that uh, immediately in the second game? Or I know you can, it's not as simple. It's yeah, not I don't, I don't, I don't really think about you know I go into you know even you know this week in practice, I don't, I don't think about oh man, did this guy make this play or didn't make that play? Because to me, you know we all kind of have a clean slate every week, and that, that's me included. You know I threw an interception and I wasn't the most accurate passer, so. I'm not thinking about that this week. I'm thinking about um, moving forward and how do we get better and how do we make plays. And so, to me, um, you know, it doesn't matter who it is. We're all going to kind of. I'm going to this like nothing's happened in the past, you know. And I'm going to throw it to hopefully the guy that's open and, and they'll just make plays for me. Ben Roethlisberger speaking yesterday there, Motsi, and he says, "No, not that the sky is falling. The sky is still blue. Mm-hmm. They still get to play on Sunday, and." The thing that, and I'll, I don't want to ask you what stuck out to you there, but what the seemed like the theme of those seven minutes of, of Big Ben there was he was putting a lot of the blame, a lot of the onus on himself. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, certainly he knows that Dante Moncrief has got to get a little bit better. Guys have to make plays. The defense has to be better as a unit. Correct. But he started out by saying, I'm only going to focus on the quarterback play, and the quarterback has to get better. I didn't make enough plays, enough throws, and they outscored us. I... I agree with him, and I do think, even if he's just feeding some smoke, <laughs> it, it is it's, it's kind of refreshing. And hey, he like I said, I, I like the confidence boost that he gave to all those guys. Right. But I think it is too, you know, it's kind of one of those leadership things, right? Like you could you have guys who are, who are the team captains, whatever, you right. know, and they go out there and they play really well, uh-huh. but their team loses. And they say, I got to be better. Well, you know, in the back of their mind, they know that they couldn't have played any better. But, but I like Ben. He could have gone a lot of ways to start that. And he starts with putting the onus on himself and playing better himself. He did a great job with that. I just, I find it funny because when you think about the national media and how they attacked oh, him see, all, know, all right? season, Ben never takes responsibility. Never. Ben never is the wrong. He's always pointing the fingers at other guys. And the first thing he comes out of his mouth he says is, "I'm only going to focus me. on the quarterback play." Right. So for me, I definitely like that. Um, I still take him as being sincere with it as well. I don't think that he did this solely because of the national oh, media. No, for I sure. think he he says some valid things. And the thing that stood out to me the most, not counting that uh, element of what he said, was uh, his confidence in Moncrief and how he wasn't worried about what happened last week because he himself played bad last week and. He was like, if you focus on the drops and things like that, that's not going to help them. He was like, I threw interceptions last week. How does that help if those guys focus on me saying, hey, can we trust and bend the throw to the right guy? No. So I think having that type of mentality helps them out a ton. I think his vote of confidence in Moncrief will help out Moncrief a ton because it's not easy having a bad performance. Unfortunately, particularly in your first game with a new organization. Uh, Unfortunately, everybody likes to think that everything is sunshine and rainbows with me and I've never had a bad performance. (laughs) Newsflash guys. I might've been a part of maybe one 
bad performance. Uh, that was like once in high school. Big you know, deal. But, but at the end of the day, the thing that helped me overcome it was hearing the vote of confidence from the leaders of the team, from the veterans on the team, from the guys that you hold up to a higher standard, the guys that you feel really drive the boat. Hearing them have my back really helped me out and helped me stay motivated through it all. And for a guy like Moncrief, who's new to the team, who hasn't made plays here yet, who doesn't have a good rapport with the organization yet in terms of seeing him make plays, having your franchise quarterback go on record saying that he still has confidence in him, he's not going to think, should I throw it to him or not? That's I'm not huge. discouraged at all. I'm not going to shy away from him. Absolutely. That's huge, man. So I definitely know – from personal experience, that means a lot to that player, and that helps the player in terms of continuing to have confidence moving forward and also having that sense of, hey, I don't want to let this guy down. True. He's going on record saying True. he's still stand up for me. I got to make sure that I put I my work in for him. For him. Yeah. Absolutely, and I was a part of that too. So when I think of Moncrief, I'm expecting him to definitely have a, a, a complete 180 in terms of his performance in. You know, we could always look at the bright side, right? Granted, he had four jobs, but he was open a lot. <laughs> so, hey. You're right. <laughs> just keep getting open. Just finish the play. Right? Finish the play. Absolutely. Uh, another thing, after he was asked about Moncrief, asked about Juju, Juju facing double teams, and what other receivers could do to help Juju in that regard, I wanted to ask you about that. Obviously, it's a, it's a give-and-take relationship. Right. There's responsibility on both sides. But this week, particularly against Seattle, is the onus more on Juju to beat double teams and make plays and free up space for the other guys? Or is the onus, is the responsibility on the other guys to make it harder for the defense of Seattle to put so much attention on Juju? I think it's a mix of both because, like I said, it wasn't as if Juju was doubled the whole game. That was not the case. Now, granted, there were times where Gilmore had help, without a doubt. But it wasn't as if, like when we talk about A.B. and he's just from play one to play 70 – He's seeing two guys every play. That wasn't the case. So I do want to see Juju win more consistently. But at the same time, those other guys have to step up. It's, that's why in football it's so beautiful because it's never an individual sport. It's never an individual's Ultimate game. Ultimate team game. It's the team game. Juju's success is going to be dictated by his number two and number three guy. And the number two and number three guy's success is going to be dictated by Juju. And all those guys factor in with Ben. And then Ben carries over to James Conner as well in the O-line. So everybody has to do their job. Everybody has to win their one-on-ones. Everybody has to hold their weight. Juju, if your job is to draw double teams, just draw them. Mark, if your job is to get open and catch the ball, do that. James, if your job is to make, you know, three, four-yard hard-nosed runs when we need them, that's your job. Do it. But if everybody's not operating at the same level, if everybody's not being a cog on the wheel, then nobody's going to be able to have success that you want. Yeah, it, it, it's it, and that's why I said too, right? It's never either or. Right. It's never this unit or that unit. It's never this player or that player. It always has to be a combination of both. Absolutely. Yeah, there, there's no doubt about that one. At Wesley Euler at Dabody Fifty Two. Dabody on Twitter. If you want to chime in, we got some questions here from Mark. We got some questions here from Christopher. In fact, Christopher has a request for you. Uh oh. He wants to hear you. He said, "I saw uh, your tweet." talking about representing yinzer accents and he wants to hear you do a yinzer accent oh wow here we go you know 
first, I just say yins. That's, that's yins are right there, isn't it? Oh, yeah, but come on now. You know, you go to go that strip man. district, pull out your money, get your gum band Listen, out there. Listen, man, we talking about the Steelers in, in Pittsburgh and all that. Worship yeah. the Chevy in the driveway. Hey, let me go downtown, you know. Hey. <laughs> There it is, Christopher. I got it out of him. I got the, I got the downtown out of him. The downtown. Uh, when we come back, we spent a lot of time ahead of the Patriots game talking about some of these off-season themes for the Steelers. Right. Right. More turnovers on defense, shutting out the noise, being better on special teams. How are we feeling about all these themes and a lot of these big key components for the Steelers after what we've seen in week one going into week two, we will get into that when we return. Again, time to get your tweets in at Wesley Euler at Body 52 Body. One hour in the books, one to go. It's Euler and Motes on SNR. Euler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR. Steelers Nation Radio. The Electric Factory, it's Euler and Motes Steelers Blitz on SNR. One hour in the books, another hour to go. And we want to talk a little off-season themes here, Motsi. Some of the big keys to success that this Steelers season that we laid out before the season starts. Yes, indeed. But real quick before we get into that. Uh-oh. we got some arrows being thrown here in the state of Ohio. Uh-oh. On the Twitter.com here, this is from Tyler Dragon. Sweet last name, by the way. I love it. He is a uh, he's a Cincinnati Bengals reporter for the Cincinnati Inquirer. Tyler Boyd told him today, once we get A.J. Green back, there ain't no talking about the Browns no more. <laughs> oh, okay. I hear you, Tyler Feeling Boyd. Feeling a little confident there in Cincinnati. Hell to pit. Hell to pit. Oh, that's your boy. Oh, man. <laughs> we spent... Arthur Motes last week, and, and really, honestly, you know, we, we talked about it in OTAs. Yeah. We talked about it leading up to the season. A lot of off-season themes for the Steelers, right? A lot of the big things that they themselves and the, the media and the fans and, you know, p- people like you and I and Tunch and Wolf talked about if the Steelers want to get to where they want to go this year, right? If they want to win double-digit games and they want to win the division and they want to win playoff games and they want to go to the Super Bowl – there was going to be some some key areas where yes. we knew that they were going to have to be improved from last season, better going forward, a whole bunch of different things. I think chief most among them, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, was turnover ratio, mm. and particularly how that relates to the defense taking them away and the offense holding on to the ball more often. Yeah, man, uh, I agree 100%. That was the theme, and unfortunately we did not see that transpire on Sunday night and that's the part that was a little frustrating because anytime you have a theme anytime you put so much emphasis on something you want to see the results early and often and throughout the preseason we were seeing those results granted we weren't getting the interceptions per se but the forced fumbles the fumble recoveries Mm -hmm. all that was happening every unit absolutely so for it to not happen not once on Sunday that was very frustrating we didn't see a ball out. We didn't see it. I mean, I don't even think we saw pretty much a pass breakup, a PBU. No. So, for me, that was the big thing that really stood out. And then, obviously, Ben has the interception. I really don't think that was indicative of his performance, though. I think it was just at the end, you're taking a shot. Right. You throw it up. It wasn't a bad read. It wasn't a forced throw like we've seen in the past. So, I did like that element of it. But 
I feel like, man, you have to create these turnovers. You have to win the plus-minus element of the game. And the stats will show you, man, when you win the turnover battle, your chances of winning the game go up drastically. And when you start getting multiple turnovers as well, that helps you out a ton. And I think this team understands that, and that's why that was an emphasis. So we need to see that. I don't want it to just have been talked throughout the offseason or just in the preseason. We need to see these things start to happen. And granted, it's week two, so, you know, we're not going to jump the gun on that. But remember when I was talking about earlier, less about the win and loss this weekend, more so about let me see you create turnovers. Let me see you protect the ball. These are the things that I really want to see in week two because last week we didn't see anything. We don't know. We, we really at this moment don't know what the identity <laughs> right. of this team is. Right. Are they good? Are they bad? We don't know. So this week, this Sunday, we're going to get that opportunity. And that's where it's like, okay, let's see this team create turnovers. Let's see this team protect the ball. Let's see this team execute like we all feel that they can do. Sticking with that uh, one week, right? We, we've talked a lot about it. We talked about it with Bacco. We talked about it yesterday. Still a small sample size, still not overreacting, still plenty of time, right? And particularly when that sample size, that one game, comes against the New England Patriots, the defending Super Bowl champions in prime time and Sunday night up in, up in their stadium. So how much of that lack of splash that we saw from the defense on Sunday night, and maybe this is kind of the same Juju and wide receivers conversation, <laughs> right, yeah. like, was that, is that more so because that's just what the Patriots do? They make it so hard to play takeaway? They make it so hard for your defense to make splash plays? Or was there still a little bit more of an opportunity there where they fell short? How much of that is on the Steelers versus just on, you know, uh, the scheme that we saw from from New England and how that back inside the electric factory? Thanks to our guy Tom there for doing some hoop jumping for us. <laughs> Arthur Motes, we're talking offseason themes, talking about turnovers, and the question that I asked you there was. How much of the lack of splash from the defense was mm-hmm. just because that's what the Patriots do? They get rid of the ball in one and a half seconds every play. Right. There's just not a ton of space out there for playmaking uh, versus the onus on the Steelers to overcome those things. And how could we see that change with a team like Seattle who is much different on offense, particularly with their quarterback, than the Patriots are? Right. I think it, it goes both ways. I think New England's scheme in terms of getting the ball out fast – that benefits them, that protects them, and guards them from a lot of those potential strip sack force fumbles. The part that I still wanted to see was how many times you see a player punch at a ball when these receivers have the ball? How many times do we see them try to gang tackle and jar at the ball? Even in special teams, we didn't see those things. So for me, if the emphasis is on creating turnovers, it needs to be a part of your DNA. It needs to be a part of what you do every time you're out there tackling a person the first person secures the tackle the next person strips at it now granted some of these players they weren't in position to do that due to the mental errors and things like that sure and that's why it's a trickle down effect but i do think some of that still falls on the steelers in that regard now when we talk about this week versus seattle though they won't be getting rid of the ball in 1.5 seconds not at all and the thing that's exciting if you're a steelers pass rusher you look at how the Bengals were able to really get after that Seahawks offensive line. No doubt. They were able to have a ton of success, put a ton of pressure on Russell Wilson. So for me, if I'm a pass rusher, I'm excited because I know I'm going to get back there. It's going to be more so can I bring him down because Russell Wilson does a great job turning potential negative plays into positive he's plays. He's elusive, man. Absolutely. He, he's Houdini. He's just like how Ben, how ben is. And I remember being in Buffalo 
playing against the Steelers my first time, my rookie season, and we're watching the film, and we're like, hey, guys, getting to Ben isn't the issue. You're going to beat this offensive line. You're going to get back there. Especially that, it, especially that right. offensive line. <laughs> Absolutely, and this is 2010 to put it in context. <laughs> so the 2010 Steelers offensive line. So the thing was, it was like, we're going to get back there, but the onus is going to be on you guys to bring Ben down, and that's what we struggled to do. I remember distinctly him throwing me off one time, and it's like three or four of us just hanging on him. He still throws a beautiful pass, and we're just like, okay, this is real. But he was bigger than the old line back then. That was his big bit, you yep, know? Yep. Whereas with Russell, he does similar things. So for the Steelers' pass rush, it's important that they understand not only do we have to pressure him, but we have to contain him and not allow him to make guys miss, not allow him to flip the ball out when he's being brought down to a running back and turn in a play that should have been a three-yard sack into a 10-yard gain. Those are the things you have to avoid, and that's the part that I'm excited to see. But then also understanding that, hey, if we cut out these middle errors, we're going to be in a lot better position to create these turnovers. We understand that the receivers they have, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, they're not Josh Gore, and they're not – I mean, it's crazy we have to say Philip Dorsett. True. But, yeah, they're not Philip Dorsett. That boy's fast. Yeah. So in that regard, I feel like the guys are going to be in way better situations and way better positions to create turnovers, to impact the game positively. Now for the Steelers' offense, it's not going to get easy. Now the secondary aspect, yes, but the running game, that front seven, those guys are ball hawks. Bobby held the, Wagner. Held the Bengals the less than 40 yards rushing. Absolutely. So it's going to be imperative that James Conner and Jalen Samuel both protect the ball when they're out there running because those guys are veterans over there. They understand the turnover concept. They thrive at creating turnovers. So it's going to be important that they protect the ball so that way they can win the plus minus S, the plus minus element of the turnover battle. For the defense specifically going from Tom Brady to Russell Wilson, does there have to be a real, like, are, are they sitting in film rooms this week, like, cognizantly saying, all right, guys, you have to – it's the complete opposite of last week, right? Whereas last week you knew you had two seconds tops. Now you got to stay with the play because Russell Wilson's going to hold on to that football. He's going to try and extend – like is that something that, that defenses, particularly front sevens, are cognizant about when they go against Russell Wilson? That like, hey, don't give up on this play because he's probably still holding on to the ball. He's probably still trying to make a play as well. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> I was actually a part of a Steelers team that played against Russell Wilson, and that was the conversation. We talked about how he likes to extend plays with his legs. He likes to make one guy miss, and he feels that he's a better athlete than a defender. So he doesn't respect you, and he's going to try to put that on display when he's dropping back. He doesn't care who's in his face. So it really falls on us as defenders to make him pay for that. It falls on the defense to make him look bad every time he tries to extend a play, every time he tries to use his legs. And the offense for the Seahawks, they do a good job in terms of putting you – in positions of compromise in terms of implementing some of the zone read concepts, some of the designed schemed QB runs mm -hmm. that you'll see. Play action is big with them. So it's important that you make them one-dimensional by stopping that run, and then you know. And that's what Cincinnati was doing. They were stopping the run. They made it where, okay, Russell Wilson has to drop back now. And now when he's dropping back, we don't have to respect the play action because we already know they're not running. They're not having success with that. And that made them really be successful in terms of limiting that offense. But that's always the mindset when you're playing against Russell Wilson or mobile quarterbacks in general. You understand that they're going to hold the ball, but at the same time, they believe that they're better athletes and they can make you miss. So the challenge really falls on those guys to finish the play. 
Talking off-season themes and how they've related to week one so far. Chime in on Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at TheBody52. TheBody. Another off-season theme, Arthur Motes. And we've seen it on T-shirts. We've seen it on hoodies. We've seen it on wristbands. (coughs) Shutting out the noise. Shutting out the noise. Well, I'll tell you what. That one's probably been pretty important for the fellas this week. Absolutely. It's one of those things, man. You shut out the noise, whether it's good or bad. A lot of people just assume, right, a lot of people assume it's very one-dimensional with that topic, but no, it's multiple, it's multifaceted. If if the Steelers had success on Sunday versus the Patriots, people would be praising them right now, and you'd have to shut off that noise. You'd have to say, you know what, we're focused on getting better this week, period. Maybe they're doing that in New England a little bit this week, right, because it it feels like you know, everyone's like, you go on social media, oh, well, look at the, look at the Patriots, they're, they're not going to lose richer. it. And they get Antonio Brown, I mean, they're going to go 15-1 yeah. and one this year. But you have to shut off that noise. You can't allow that to get you too high. And then the adverse to that is, if you're the Steelers right now coming off of that performance versus the Patriots, you have to block out all that noise. People are doubting you. People saying that y'all aren't going to be good. People questioning Ben. Is he going to play? Is he going to retire? People questioning your head coach. Absolutely. People questioning the defense, questioning Devin Bush, Mark Barron. These are all the Randy Feetner, Keith Butler. This is all this, the noise that was being talked about. This is the noise that you have to shut out. And it's not just this week. It's not because you're coming. It's week to week. Every, Every week. week you have noise you have to shut out. It's always something new. It's always going to be something that people have to say, whether it's positive or negative, that you have to shut out so that way you can stay focused and get the job done. That's what we're hoping they do on Sunday. When we come back, we will talk about some more of these themes, special teams, a balanced offense. We'll also take your tweets at Wesley Euler and at Body 52 Talk about it, baby. <laughs> Talking off-season themes and how we, what we saw week one and how they could change week two when we return. It's Euler Remotes. It's Steelers Blitz. It's the Electric Factory, and it's on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Some themes of the 2019 Steelers season that we spent a lot of time before the year discussing. Turnovers, Mm -hmm. shutting out the noise. Those Mm -hmm. were two that we touched on there in the previous segment, Arthur Motes. Another big one was special teams. Yes. We know two years ago, Right, I'm trying to make sure my math. Yes, two. Get it right. Get it right. Two two seasons ago, when the Steelers had a first round bye. Yes. When the Steelers won the division, they were nine and two that season in one score games. Nine and two. That was the whiz of Boz. And uh, and I uh, and you listen. You're picking up what I'm putting down. A big reason why the Steelers won so many of those close games. You can draw a direct correlation from that win column to Chris Boswell's leg. Absolutely. He, in Mike Tomlin's words, last year when Boswell was struggling and people were asking Coach Tomlin, are you going to cut this guy? And he thought of cutting this guy. Tomlin said no. He's gotten us out of a lot of stadiums with wins in the past. We still believe in him. But that the exact line was he's gotten us out of a lot of stadiums in the past. Last year, that f- script we obviously saw flipped. They were yes. under 500 in one-score games. A lot of close games that if they could have gotten an extra field goal, they would have won. sometimes an extra point. Or an extra point. Or – it's not always just the kicker, too. If they, you know, maybe don't give up a punt return touchdown against yes. the Chargers. Granted, there was a big block in the back on that play, but still, there's 11 guys out on the field, not yes. one. Very true. So, to be fair, it's not just boss. They took too many penalties on special teams the whole season. I definitely agree 100% with that. After week one, how are we feeling about the special teams and what we've seen so far? 
I think, uh, obviously, with Boz, at least he hit his field goal. Granted, it was only a 19-yarder. <laughs> From the, the one-yard line. Of the game, but, hey, but I- a make is a make. It was a confidence booster. I like that element. I did want to see more from the coverage units, though. I think that they gave up a little too much in the return game. I still want to see those guys drawing at the ball. When you arrive, I mean, it's typically two to three guys making a tackle on special teams. Generally speaking, that's typically how it works. Mm -hmm. But the first guy secure the tackle. I want to see the next guy strip at the ball, punch at the ball. And that's something that Danny Smith works works on with these guys starting in OTAs. So it's not as if this is their first time hearing that. It's not as if this is uh, something that they haven't thought of before. Even the offensive guys. All of those guys that are on special teams, they have an onus to make a play happen. Why can't they be the reason that they win? That's what Danny Smith always talks about. Why can't it be us? Why can't we be the reason why we win? People always talk about the offense has to do this, the defense has to do that. What can we do to impact the game? If we win the field position battle, we can help this team win drastically. And those are the things in that special teams room that are constantly talked about. And because it's something that every player, offensively and defensively, have a role in. It's not as if, oh, man, I only play defense. I'm or I'm a linebacker. Right. I play special teams, but I'm a linebacker. I can't help the offense. You can. If you get the field position right, if you get on there and you have a big return, you're blocking your guy. Well, now instead of them having the ball on 25, they got the ball at the 40. The, the odds of them scoring touchdowns goes up drastically. Same with punt return. You can hurt the offense by getting a penalty, though. We saw that last year. We don't need that. Too many times last year. Absolutely. And if you're an offensive guy, how can I help the defense? I play receiver. You go on there and make a tackle inside the 20. Pin them back. Pin them back. And, and, and it's an emphasis on tackles inside the 20. No doubt. Because of the impact it has, because offenses percentages of scoring touchdowns when drives that start inside the 20 are drastically down. It's why two punters on their one of their official statistics is punts inside the 20. Absolutely. It's a direct correlation to that. So these are the ways that offense and defensive guys can impact the game if they're not seeing it on defense or offense. And how should, again, we're, we're one-sixteenth of the way into Correct. the season. We are a very small sample size in a sport that is small sample size in general. Right. But we know that this year the Steelers have some vets, some heavy hitters on special teams, right? I'm talking Vince Williams. I'm talking Who dirty. made a big tackle on kickoff. I'm talking dirty red Tyler Matakevich. Mm-hmm. I'm talking good friend of the show, Jordan Talk Dangerfield. Two big tackles on Sunday. I Woo! guess to be fair, right, we did say that Brian was like our first guest yeah. of a media role. Right. Dan- Jor- Danger's a day Danger one. Danger was our original good friend of the show. Yeah, A1 day one right there. Uh, when you've got some heavy hitters like that who are – Big special teams contributors. I think it's fair to expect a little bit more even. Absolutely. And not only in the coverage element, but the the the, the kickoff returns, the punt returns. Why can't we see big returns from these guys? Mm-hmm. These guys aren't rookies. This is not their first go at it. They know how to block. They know the angles associated with it. They know the pros and cons of certain returns. They know the challenges that they present. Why can't they be the guys – who helps spring one of these return men? Why can't they be the guys who help spring Switzer on a punt return? Why can't they do that? We have an expectation from all those guys from a coverage standpoint. Red, Danger. Granite Rose is out for a little while, but when he comes yep. back, he's yep. another one. Chicolo as well. And some of these guys were kept solely because of their special teams value. Solely because of that. Yeah. Make the impact.
No doubt. You got to make the impact. It, for sure. For sure. On Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at TheBody52. TheBody. If you want to chime in. Uh, I think, along with turnovers, right, and you could disagree with me here. Feel, feel free to. But of all these themes, I think turnovers was probably the biggest one. I think the second one, and again, if you disagree, you could tell me, balanced offense. Mm. I think people wanted to see the Steelers throw the ball a little bit less, run the ball a little bit more. That hopefully cuts down on some of the interceptions and the turnover issues right. that we've seen from the offense. Again, it's man, we got the Patriots, uh, the scheme experts here is, is our one-week barometer. But we saw it early kind of um, – I don't want to even say abandoning the run game because that's too harsh. Right. But it, it seemed like early in that game, after a few drives – they kind of thought or believed, whatever you want to say, that the pass game was their best way to have success. I think that happened due to the thought process of we're in New England. Sure, they're stacking the box. And we're getting behind. We can't fall too far behind knowing that Tom Brady's over there. And I will say this. The first half, the defense was not giving it up like people assume. Like, they were still we talked about that keeping yesterday. them in the game. They kept them in the game longer than Absolutely. they probably should have. Absolutely. So, when I think about that, there's no reason why they had to abandon it so fast. But that is – it happens. When when a team feels they're getting behind and they need to have a spark and you have a Hall of Fame quarterback, well, can you fault them for saying, hey, man, let's live or die with this guy? You can't. Especially when you hadn't had success in the running game up to that point. It wasn't like we saw James break out a, a seven-yard run or a ten-yard run. We hadn't seen any of that. So, for me, I can't fault them for going to that type of style versus the Patriots. But I don't think that's going to be needed this week. I think this week you do put more emphasis on being more balanced. And when we talk about the emphasis on that, I'm not saying that, hey, man, it's third and one. Or, no, excuse me, not 31, but hey, man, it's second and five. We got to run the ball. It's emphasis right here. Emphasis on it. No, like, do it within the flow of the game. Do it where you feel it's right. But at the same time, understand that, hey, you're not going to win as often as you would like if you are so skewed to just throwing the ball. Been throwing it 50, 60 times. That's not, that's not going to breed the results that you want from a year-long basis. It might in a single game in a vacuum. Right. In a vacuum, yes, but for over a 16-week schedule, that's not going to be the most successful that you can be. So it's important that you get James featured more. And the thing is this, it's not as if we're, we're asking them to feature a running back who doesn't have the talent. It's the not like wasn't in the Pro Bowl. Right, talking. it's not like we're asking them to feature a guy who hasn't proven to be a top running back in this league. We've seen when James gets his carries, when James gets his volume, he's very successful and he's very hard to bring down, and he weighs on the defense. You see guys start not wanting to hit him because he is a large man who runs very physical. And runs with aggression. Absolutely. And with bad intentions. So for me, when I think about all those things, I just say to myself, why aren't you leaning on him more? Lean on him. And he, I, want, I want to see that start on Sunday. I, I agree. I think the Seahawks are going to come out and do a similar thing. They're going to try and stack the box. They will, yes. But I, I would you like – have to stay committed, though. I would like to see them stay committed. That's a good way to put it. Uh Maybe the last major theme that we talked about, right, leading up to this season was pressure, mm -hmm. was a, a magnifying glass, if you will, with a lot of the stuff that happened in the offseason, a lot of the turnover on this Steelers roster. We, You and I discussed how we think that it's going to be 
in the and I'm not talking about inside the walls of, of the Steelers confines or right. between but nationally, right? Between the Steelers fan base, the NFL fan base as a whole, that there was gonna be a you know, a magnifying glass on the quarterback Ben Roethlisberger and the head coach Mike Tomlin and how they perform now with some of these absences and, you know, some of these former players taking some shots during the off season and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's safe to say now that maybe some of that pressure, you know, and when you lose week one, it, the pressure always is ramped up. But do you think – I will say this. I think from a leadership standpoint, I think a lot of the stuff that's happened in these few days since the loss to the Patriots has reflected well on Ben and Tomlin. Mm-hmm. I wonder still, though, maybe how that is perceived just by the NFL fan base nationally. Yeah, I think for me, when I think about the national standpoint and just – overall how everything has played out this offseason I do think the pressure falls back on Ben right now because Coach Tomlin his biggest gauge is going to be how does he do versus New England but everybody automatically assumes that hey (laughs) New England has the best coaches out (laughs) so he's always going to be second best at best but for Ben the conversation has been can Ben still be an elite level player an elite level passer minus AB Mm. minus Le'Veon Bell can he get the job done by himself. So I think until we see it this week, people are still going to be talking about it. Oh, man, they, they, they didn't think they needed A.B., this and this and this. I don't believe it, but that's definitely the the sentiment that we get from the national standpoint. And I think that just goes to show that they're not very informed with the ground level people like how we are. That's right. We're boots to the ground, baby. You know, but that's definitely the – the, the two things I take away from it in terms of that pressure for those two guys. It's definitely important for Ben to perform. That's how they look at it. But for Coach T, he can go win the next 14, 15 games. If they lose New England, it's going to be the same story. Oh, man, you can't beat New England. Oh, gosh, you, you, you can't coach. You can't, you're, you're never going to be a good coach, even though he's never had a losing season. But I digress. Even though you take away the Patriots' numbers from this past decade, and the Steelers are literally number two in every category. Yeah. yeah talk to the Bengals. Talk to the Browns. Talk to the Dolphins. Go talk to Jets fans. Talk see, to them. see if they wouldn't sign up for that. Sign for that in blood. Being the That's second best team of a, of a fifteen year span. I'm sure you could talk to the Buffalo Bills about. Talk that to as the well. Buffalo Bills about it. Yeah. Uh, uh, there's a there's a lot of teams that you could throw into that conversation. I think our friends down in D.C. would like yeah, to get in on that absolutely. one <laughs> as well, too. Uh, on Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at the Body 52 The Body. We've had a, a couple questions here rolling in throughout the show, and I've been, been saying we'll get to them, so let's get to them. Our buddy Don Juan wants to know if Moncrief has another bad game on Sunday, do you see James Washington emerging as the clear-cut number two receiver? If James Washington can continue to produce – if he can continue to show that growth and development, it does not it would not surprise me at all. I think it would definitely happen. I don't think that Moncrief would get a half. If he acts how he's at it like what we saw last week from the drops, if we see some of those drops early, I don't see them waiting to make that adjustment next week. I think they make it during game. Yeah, I think you're right. And sticking with wide receivers here, Mark chimed in. Uh, talking about our, our conversation with Ryan Switzer when we had Brian Backo on, talking about how he just needs to break some tackles, right? That's what we said. Absolutely. But as Mark points out, have, have, when have we ever really seen that happen? Have we ever really seen that happen? Is, is that something that's realistic? We haven't yet. But I think that it's more going to be about 
if the the Seattle Seahawks play him and play this offense the way that we saw them play Cincinnati, mm-hmm. there's going to be space. Out it, there. it will be a ton of space because he's going to be matched up versus a Michael Kendricks or a KJ Wright. And granted, those two are are, are really good players. They are not coverage guys. Yeah. That's not what they do. They excel as linebackers. Now, if they were saying they're going to cover Vance, okay, I, 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 that, that's fair. Mm-hmm. But not Ryan Switzer. So for me, even though he wasn't making guys miss last week, I have the utmost belief that he will make guys miss this week. Uh, quickly here, I wanted to ask you about Vance, and we could get into this a little bit more tomorrow. But is it possible that with those linebackers that we know Seattle have, uh, that they're going to a part of their game plan will be taking Vance away? Right, like you get what I'm saying. Right. Like they know, all right, we've got KJ Wright and we've got Bobby Wagner. One thing that we're very confident that we can do is take Vance away. And mm-hmm. you and I are going to be sitting here on Monday and people are going to be saying, there's two games. What's going on with Vance McDonald? Right. Yeah, I could definitely see that, especially with KJ Wright. I think he excels in that he's role. so underrated. And he's, he's rangy, long, arms, everything. And that's, I think, why they, the Seahawks felt so comfortable standing their base front and having him go out there and have some of these matchups because of his athletic ability. And when I think about Vance, Vance is definitely, he's familiar with this guy. Mm -hmm. It's not like he hasn't seen him before, obviously him being with the 49ers. So they're going to have some familiarity when it comes to that matchup. But I think that this is still a matchup that Vance has to win. Vance has to win it. And we will see how that plays out. We'll get into more of those matchups tomorrow, Arthur Motes, when we really Uh deep dive Uh into Steelers-Seahawks. Hey, because what's tomorrow? Tomorrow is a lot of things. It's Five Star Friday. It's Get That Paper Friday. And I got that speech, remember? 145. I'm giving that speech tomorrow. Absolutely. So a whole lot going on. But before we get out of here today, Uh three question Thursday. Uh Uh-oh. When we return, I'm going to put Arthur Motes on the spot, make him bust out his crystal ball with some fun like questions for him. Three question Thursday. One more chance here to chime in. If you got any last questions for us, at Wesley Euler, at TheBody52. The body. Three question Thursday when we return. It's Steelers Blitz. It's Euler Motes inside the Electric Factory on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Well, on a Thursday, Arthur Motes, we do one thing always. Uh Uh-oh. Besides watching the football game tonight, Tampa Bay at Carolina, Mm -hmm. we do a little three-question Thursday. I like that. A three-pack of fun questions mostly related to football in the NFL, but usually outside of the Steelers' bubble. And occasionally I'll throw in a, an off question, and they're like, for example, we needed you yesterday. <laughs> and, and, and Tom will appreciate this back at the studio. We were having a heated debate Uh-oh. in Brian's office about the best lightsaber battle scene in Star Wars movie history. Ooh. Yeah, Tom, Brian, myself, Adam, the four of us just going at it. We, we we needed you in on that one. So maybe we'll have to three-question Thursday, find a way to work that in one I, of these. I would have loved that conversation. <laughs> it, it, things were, there were emotions. There were voices raised. Yeah, things I would have loved that conversation. Things were getting heated. But I got a three-pack of questions for Arthur Motes here. All right? Let's do it. So number one, my guy, Arthur Motes, who is my boy? You're going to say Aaron Rodgers, but I believe it's TB12. Aaron Rodgers is my boy. Yesterday, he was asked, right? He kind of like Ben. He does his same thing. He does his media availability on Wednesdays. Right. He was asked about coming back home to Lambeau, right? You open up in Chicago. You open up at a win. You come back home. What's it like to be playing in front of your own fans? Do you have any requests for the fans? 
and, and Rogers laughed and said some stuff, but he said in, in terms of what they're doing, as long as they're not doing the wave when, well, I, have I, the, the ball. when right. I have the football, that's fine with me. Uh, Arthur Motes, what is the worst sports tradition, and do you hate the wave as well? Because I do. I want to ban the wave forever you in every like sport. The wave. I don't like the wave. I like the wave. The why? wave is cool, You man. know why? Because remember, we had this conversation a couple weeks ago, how you have all those people who come to sporting events, and they sit there on their hands or on their phones and don't make noise right. and don't do anything unless they're on the Jumbotron Very or unless true. someone's shooting off a hot dog yeah. or unless the wave's going. I think that's why it bothers me. See, I love the wave because it's interactive. Everybody gets into it. And when it's a good wave, it's awesome. It goes around and round, round and round. But man, for uh, me, let's see. What is the worst sports tradition? Because I got two for you. Uh, I guess the oh, when I'm at a UFC fight or it's a sport, like a boxing mm-hmm. match or something, and the people start doing the woo, oh. woo, I it drives me. N- I'm like, man, enjoy what you are watching right now. Cut out the woo. You want a woo? Go to WWE. <laughs> I hate that with a passion. Woo! 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 They do that at Pirates games sometimes, too. That's a sound that, hey, I'm bored. I don't want to hear that, man. Cut it out. Cut it out. I thought your worst sports tradition was going to be the singing of Country Roads after WVU victories, but I digress. Well, you know, after seeing WVU this past week, I feel bad. They're going to be singing that too many times until basketball season. Uh, I got two for you, all right? My two worst sports traditions, and they're a little outside of the box. You know I'm a goofy guy. Uh, the first one I have is refs swallowing their whistle in the postseason. <sighs> I feel like that's in every sport, right, particularly hockey and basketball. I hate it in basketball. The, yeah. the fouls that they call, the penalties that they call all season through games 1 through 82, yeah. all of a sudden in game 83, it's, it's a completely different rule book that or, drives me crazy. No, no, no. Or, or, or on top of that, I'll take it a step further. The last two minutes of a game, how that's called, in particular basketball, versus the first. It's so annoying. First three quarters. It's, it's so, and I know some people love that. I'm, I think you're on my side on this one. Call it regular. Uh, man. I, call it the same way call you do it. in the first quarter of game one that you Just do in it. the fourth quarter of game eighty five. Call it. Period. It, yeah, I, I, it, that really bothers me. And you know what else bothers me is managers and their mound visits in baseball. <laughs> I mean, it's like seventeen times a game. Yeah. Is this really necessary? Like, what, what are y'all talking about? What up are there? you talking about up there? You, what are you, you doing for dinner? Either you're gonna pull them or you're not. <laughs> <laughs> How many times do I need to come out here and say, "Hey, Wes, all right, they're hitting your heater, man. Throw the slider. Come on, buddy. Hey, hey, we need you right here. How you how you feel? You feel good? I don't need listen. If I come out there to the mound, all right, first the warning, you, next you're gone. Right. Period. Right. No, I don't need the catcher coming up there in between pitches, too, just let, because let, you're scared let, of the batter. Let me, let, me put the, let me put the glove on my mouth. and my mouth will talk to you. Hey, you know what I'm saying, man? Just look like we're talking about something important. All right, move your oh, eyebrows real quick. Yeah, yeah, you got that. Go, all right. Man. Hey, did you see that one girl sitting up there? In this, she's pretty cute. Huh? Yeah. That just drives me crazy. crazy. Three question Thursday. Question number two. Arthur Motes, the Cleveland Browns have banned a fan for throwing beer at the Tennessee Titans. I like that a lot, actually, because I was on the field in a playoff game versus the Cincinnati Bengals, where they proceeded to throw objects, beer, food, popcorn. And I remember looking towards the security guard, and I said, "Uh, excuse me, Mr. Officer, are you going to allow this? And he says, well, there's nothing I could do about it. And I said to myself, now, if I go up there, because I know who threw it. I saw the person. If so I go up there. That was my question for you was, what would you do if you had beer poured on you by a yeah. fan, Arthur Motes? Nine, if this, is, this is what it came down to. 
I looked at myself and I said, you know what? I could go up there right now. Be around our test. And, and beat the crap out of this cat. <laughs> and anybody that's around him can get it too. Because I don't discriminate. I want everybody to feel the love. <laughs> but I said, is it really going to be worth it for the 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 public dragging that I'm going to get for going up into the stands? Because no one cares that he threw it. They're going to say, oh, yeah, the onus is on you because you make more money. Right. Even though at the time, he was older than me. It wasn't, and that's the thing. People think, "Oh, it was probably some kid." Like, no, this man was a forty-something-year-old no, man. Forty, fifty-year-old grown men who are the ones acting up. So for me, I'm like, okay. So the owner shouldn't be on the grown man who's probably going to be my father, but he could throw that at me, and I made eye contact with him, saw him. Security guard tells me, "Hey, man, you know, it's nothing I could do about that." So yeah, I, I, I made the right call. You did. Hindsight being twenty twenty, we won. It was all good, but. I'm all for when guys, you know, stoop down to that level every once in a while and hop in the stands. I, I I'm surprised we it. didn't see that from the Titans because that guy was. Yes. It wasn't like he launched that beer. It was right. right, right in front of him. Or you think about um, who was it? From oh the Seahawks when they played yes. in tennis uh, when they played in Jacksonville. Jacksonville. Same thing. Absolutely, I'm all for that, man. Like if you're bad enough to because this is the problem. Let's let's get into the deep. Or like when, when Jason Peters went up to that fan right. and was like, "Keep talking." Let's keep get talking. It, let's get into the minutia of it. This is the problem. Would they do that if they saw you outside of the stadium? Nope. Would they say some of the things that they say? Nope. Some being racial. Oh yeah. Outside of the stadium, no chance. Would they tweet these things outside of this the comforts of their home? Not a shot. Would they ever look at you with any type of disrespect? No, in fact, they'd ask you for a selfie. So that's the part that drives me nuts when it comes to certain individuals. And it's not all fans. But the same way they say one bad apple ruins the bunch, and the same way because one or two NFL players has an issue, they say we all have issues. Mm-hmm. It's the same concept with the fans, man. Like, no doubt. One or two of you guys doing that, that ruins it for everyone because it makes players not like fans in some regard for that reason. Right. And, that, and it drives me nuts, though, because – I'm like, man, I saw the guy. And I'm like, not a hundred times out of a hundred times, if I passed you on the street right now, you would look the other way or put your head down. Or ask you for a selfie or an autograph. Absolutely, but the last thing you'll be thinking is, let's get into any type of physicality. Let me throw anything at this guy or disrespect this guy in any way, shape, or form. Like, you think that um, the not the full minority owner, or whatever they call it, from the Warriors, who, right. who pushed DeMar DeRozan. Like, you think he's doing not that if, he's, if he sees DeMar DeRozan at Morton's? Not a chance, but people chance. feel privileged in that element because they feel, well, I, I paid bought a for ticket. the ticket. This is my game. You're only out here because of my money. I'm like, first of all, it's a lot of money that goes into the pot, and I can assure you it wasn't just your money. Those TV contracts are paying, Absolutely. They're paying those contracts. Just, just for the record. <laughs> but you, it, it drives me nuts, though, man. I know it does. That's why I was excited to ask you this one because anytime something like this happens, you always bring it up to me. Man, you wish, I wish I could have punched man, that dude in the face. I, I'm like, <laughs> if, if I could have went in that stand <laughs> and I know the public response would have been, great job, Arthur, you gave him what he deserved. Oh, it would have been it would have been Indiana Pacers, oh. Detroit Pistons, Malice at the Malice Palace, at the Palace, but in Cincy, because I was there, I was ready. There was, I was without a doubt, hundred percent ready. You know, I'm a big Manchester United guy. Absolutely, they had this striker, Eric Cantona, was his name. Uh huh. One time, he was walking away from a goal, like he like shot the ball right and and missed the net, and was walking away back towards the center of the field, and the one of the fans of the other team threw a beer at him. He uh-huh. turned around and like 
ran at this dude and like drop kicked him. <laughs> like went into the stands He's and cleated him right in the face. I love it. I'm glad that there's no highlights of you doing that on YouTube, Arthur. Listen, I, all I'm gonna say is I was about two seconds of a bad decision away <laughs> from it. Did, did you see too what they did? The guy that they banned, right? The guy that the Browns yeah. banned is like like it's not him. Like he has an alibi. He was DJing a wedding on Sunday. So the Browns oh, wow. banned this guy, and he's like, "It's not me." He's got all this proof, yeah. but they still haven't. Well, then I will say this: I've talked to some of the uh, stadium security, NFL security, who have banned people. I had a situation in Buffalo where a fan got banned as well, and they just talked about how difficult it is to actually keep that person out. Like if they come in with a hat or a disguise, Throw their beard, or their beard out like or, yeah. it's so hard. So from the public standpoint, it's a good gesture. But you know, as That's a player, like you're not going to keep that person out. They really want to get there. Yeah. Unless they were a season ticket holder and you flagged their car, things like that, sure. But for the one-off games that that person might have come to, if they come to a game later that season. Scalp a ticket in the parking right, lot. No, yeah. you're not going to be Because for them to keep that fan out, they have to have every security guard, first off, recognizing this guy's face. Every ticketing person across all the right. games of the stadium. Like, that's it's, – it's too much time. It's yeah. too much manpower associated with that, and it's not realistic. Last one for you, Arthur Motes. Three question Thursday. Question number three. This is the one that's a little outside of the sports realm, but I'm still going to bring it back. Today, Arthur Motes, Uh-oh. is National Video Game Day. Hey. It's a lot of other things, too. It's like National Report Medicare Fraud Day because okay. you know how that works. Everything has a day now. Yes. But today is National Video Games Day. So, Arthur Motes, I have two questions for you. Uh-huh. What is your favorite video game ever? What is your favorite sports video game ever? All right, favorite video game ever was Twisted Metal. Nice, that's a good Absolutely, one. Absolutely, man. One. We're a straight battle royale, but with cars and weapons. Awesome music. That's a great call. Brings back the nostalgia. Love Twisted Metal. PlayStation? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Come on, man. Keep it OG. Oh, yeah. Favorite sports game of all time has to be Madden because I was on the game. Oh, that's a good one. Let me drop the trump card on you. That's a pretty good yeah. one. That's a pretty yeah. good one. Uh, uh, <laughs> my favorite sports game of all time would be NFL Blitz, Nintendo Ooh, 64, NFL tough. Blitz. Some friendships, NFL Street was tight, too. Some friendships were ruined over NFL Blitz at my house when we oh, were yeah. growing up. And uh, favorite video game of all time, Halo 2. Oh, Halo 2 is tight. See, yeah. Halo 2 is tight. I'm going to call a duty guy personally. Okay. Call of Duty 4. Oh. The best. You are awesome. <laughs> I love these questions. Uh, hey, did I do a good job today? Phenomenal Was this job. a good three questions hey, Thursday? Hey, this is by far the best three questions Thursday of yeah. the season. Woo! That's what, and there, we're man. only going to get better we're as we go better. along, baby. That'll do it for today's show. Thanks to everybody who chimed in on Twitter. We got a couple questions here at the end of this segment. We will get to those tomorrow. Big thanks to our guy Tom Otterman for producing the program back at the station. Tomorrow on the show, Oh, it's Five Star Friday. We will deep dive into the Seahawks and the Stillers. Arthur Motes will tell you the five matchups you need to watch most. And it's also a Get That Paper Friday. Gots to get that paper. And we will do that tomorrow. And also, as I mentioned, at 145-150, I've got a message for Steeler Nation. Right here. And Wes going to sit with his chest. On Euler and Motes, on Steelers Blitz, inside the Electric Factory. We will talk to you tomorrow at noon. Same time, same place on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, Steelers Nation Radio.